This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you very joyously in the middle of the week. It's on Pancake Day. We've tucked right into pancakes. We've been flipping them all over the place. We've been flipping, cheering all weekend because the bees actually got three points away from home. I can't actually remember the last time we got three points away from home. I think it was Southampton away, if somebody said to me rightly. Um, when I say away from home, away from home outside of London, because we don't really count getting three points inside of London, inside the M25 as being really kind of like, you know, au fait because we, we just do it all the time. Tottenham, Chelsea, all them lot, like, you know what I'm saying? Probably Arsenal in a few weeks' time. Doesn't really count. But outside of London, it's like the crown jewels getting three points. So we got three points away at Wolverhampton. And what a good day out it was. So I'm sitting out here, tucking into a bit of pancake action, smiling a lot because I'm very happy and I'm sitting here with my chums in the virtual joint. My name is Billy Grant and I'm having a good time with the Allard. How are you, the Allard? I'm not too bad, yep. Um, yep, there was a, we, we flipped our waveform, didn't we? That's it is, really bad. We certainly um, flipped our waveform, didn't we? Um, that's a bad start to the podcast. I'm it is sorry. a bad start to the podcast. And the Allard, and so Pancake Day today, I mean, I've just tucked right into pancakes. That's why we're a little bit late in starting this pod today as well. How about yourself? Are you into a bit of pancake action today? Uh, we, we we would be, but was, we've had a had a pancake fluff. I know. What what toppings do you do you go for on your pancakes? What's well, your toppings? We had a bit of strawberry. We had obviously a oh. bit of syrup there as well. There's some Nutella that came out. Some bananas got thrown into the pot as well. Like you know, a bit of sugar. You know, there's all sorts of different stuff going on. How about yourself? Well, we didn't really plan anything, and um, and, and and well, but the topping of choice here is normally lemon and sugar. Yes. And we had a lemon fluff. No lemon. No lemon in the house. No lemon in the house and no lemon in the shops? Well, there probably would have been, but it was a bit late by then. So um, it's, so pancake day has been put on hold. 
until until so twenty four hours or till next yeah. year. <laughs> no, just twenty four hours. <laughs> lemons are available. Okay, all right. This is sort of good. And we'll be going into Valentine's Day there again. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. We got the cog in the house. The cog in the South Coast bees. Cog, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Very happy to uh, finally have got that win away from home as well. So yeah, very good. Thanks. That's good. That's good. And Nutella and your pancakes today. The cog was it? No, I, I, I didn't realise it was pancake day, unfortunately. What, what's, the, what's, what's the matter with you? I mean, you know, you yeah, didn't realise... Yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, a bit flat, I think, that was the problem, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I'm afraid I didn't, I didn't register. No, he's, not, he's not even... This is, this is the thing, you can at least try to make up an excuse, you know what I'm saying? You could have sort of said, you know, I was coming home, you know, the bag got nicked with pancakes because no the, the supermarket had run out of no lemons, yeah. you know, terrible excuse that one. So, I'll tell you something, I was thinking of pancake day today as well, as I was getting the frying pan out and I was sort of cleaning it to make sure it's going to be all ready for the flipping. And I thought, the flipping? Hold on a second. Back in the day, we used to have all sorts of stuff where people used to get together and go down the street and uh, and flip the pancakes on Pancake Day. I remember when I was at university, I used to go down to uni down in Brighton. Actually, I'll probably tell the story loads, actually, where, where we actually play Brighton. <clears throat> Where the stadium is it used to be my hitchhiking spot where i used to hitchhike back into town because i used to live in town in brighton and i remember we actually had a, a a pancake race down the corridor in york house at sussex uni when i was down there as well and i remember i've got the photographs still of us like you know and it was, it was a massive thing having the pancake race because you had to actually flip the pancake when you're running you couldn't just sort of just run with the, the frying pan you had to be flipping it all the time do you remember that the lot i'm aware of pancake races i mean imagine if they had var on pancake races <laughs> because I bet there's some, there's been some proper cheating on That's pancake right. races, That's I'd right. imagine. So, so, so you said you've heard of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm presuming you never actually participated in a, in a flipping pancake race. I don't think I've flipped and raced. No, it doesn't, it doesn't ring any bells with me. Um, and, and it's one of those things. I mean, do, do they still happen pancake races? There must be a. There's got to be a traditional pancake race going. There must be somewhere that has one. But this is the point is what I'm saying, because I was saying that I've actually not heard. This used to be something that happened all the time, but I've actually never heard anyone saying, oh, by the way, we're going to be doing a pancake race today. You know, it'll be all over the news. You, you'll see it in your local park or down the street. But I don't know if the Internet's killed the pancake race. What do you think, the cock? Yeah, <laughs> I think you might be right. Well, you know, as you know, I didn't even realise it was a uh, pancake day today. So <laughs> you know, you've got no idea what day of the week it is, do you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're gonna to have to ask you about football soon. You'll be you'll be talking about Wrexham and 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 and, and Grimsby. You know what I'm saying? So uh, don't just don't believe anything you read with the cog. Anyway, so anyway, listen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. talking about moving on from Pancake Day today as well. Um, tomorrow is 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 Valentine's Day, uh, and uh, and all I'm gonna to say to you, cog, for the for the life of me, just tell me that you did remember that tomorrow is Valentine's Day because uh, like I said to you, you could be in all sorts of trouble if you remember that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Um, but the interesting thing about Valentine's Day sometimes is that. Um, as football fans, as you know, we love going to football matches every single week. Whatever excuse we can do to go up and down the country, we'll go to, to, to a football match. But the question is, what happens when probably once in about six or seven years, the football match coincides with Valentine's Day? Um, and, and tell you what's even worse, because if it's on a Saturday, you may even get away with it. But the problem is that if it's on a Tuesday night, as we used to be in, in the lower leagues, and when we used to play our Tuesday night games, they had some games that used to coincide with Valentine's Day. And, and how, with you as a football fan, would you have to deal with that? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying this. I remember um, 
years ago there was a, I remember there's a Tuesday there's a night I'm pretty sure there's a game that when Brentford played um I can't remember exactly which game it was and I remember they had an offer saying you know you can bring your other half to the game for free you know trying to sort of kind of entice people in to come to the game because they knew that they could they'd be, they'd be grappling against sort of the, the, the love roses and all that kind of stuff you, you probably don't remember that one do you the Allard? I mean I, I remember the offers. I mean, it, 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 lame attempts to double the attendance on Valentine's Day, <laughs> where everybody turning up with their partner. Um, I don't think I ever took anyone to football on Valentine's Day. But, but Bill, you? I, I, I actually did. I did take um, my, my my now wife to, to football on Valentine's Day. It was actually 2015, the season that we got to the first to to the first season in the in the Championship as well. And uh, um, Brentford played Charlton away. Um, it was in February, and, uh, and I remember it was on Valentine's Day, and so I said to the missus, "You fancy coming to football?" So there was me and my son, Elias, and and my wife as well, and I think my daughter must have come. We must have all come. It was like a family affair, like you know, saying on Valentine's Day. Um, but the weird thing about that as well is that before that that day, which is on the Saturday, like I said, we were playing Charlton, and I think the week beforehand, that was when the the news had blown about Mark Warburton. And uh, so we played oh. Leeds and we'd beaten Leeds, I think, the week beforehand. And we were all really happy after the Leeds game. We all come out. It's like the first time we'd beaten them at their ground. And we were delighted and happy and chanting and singing. And then 24 hours later, Mark Warburton, we found out, was going to be leaving the club. And the, the rumours were that, you know, that he'd been sacked. And we were saying that he hadn't been. And yes, he had been. And this. And we were going to get in computers in to go and find players and all this kind of stuff. But the weird thing is the day before the Charlton game, I mean, I was like, but literally talked to Warburton all the time, and I was on the phone for him for about three hours the day before the match. Like, you know, my, my wife was getting rather suspicious as we were coming into Valentine's Day, going, oh, "Who are you on the phone to?" And I was like, that, that, "You don't really want to know." She goes, "I need to know who, you, who you're talking to." Like, you know, you're on the phone for three hours, and I said, "It's uh, Mark Warburton's uh, Brentford manager." And she's like, well, "What? what, what he, isn't he managing that? Has he got a game tomorrow? Why is he talking to you for three hours?" I was like, "Look, you really don't want to know. There's all sorts of..." nonsense going on at the time so uh yes so uh th- th- technically she probably thought that, th- that my valentine's date might have might have been mark warburton so uh my missus <laughs> I, be- I better step in before anything goes horribly wrong the cog have you ever had any sort of valentine's shenanigans going down well i i think my main memory is not a football one it's uh when i lived in london gonna see the cure at hammersmith apollo as it used to be called hammersmith odeon and uh We'd, we'd had something to eat before we went and uh, I got there and I just felt incredibly ill and uh, threw up for the first five minutes that we got in the, the concert hall. So, that, yeah, that's my biggest memory. My wife was very unimpressed. That's Luckily, she wasn't ill herself. But, uh, yeah, not a football memory, but a, 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 it's kind of etched in my mind. Uh, my slightly linked, I'm going to again try and link all these things, like you know, sort of seven degrees of linkage. Um, the Hammersmith Apollo, or the Hammersmith, the Labats Apollo, Hammersmith, as it used to be called. Um, I used to be the sponsorship guy for that. I used to work for Labats and my used to do all the music sponsorship for them. So I used to basically look after all the concerts that used to come there. And I used to get loads of tickets for the, the Apollo, and basically I just used to give them to all my Brentford mates. So basically it was almost like a little Brentford party. We used to go there behind the stage with uh, my 
Marco the magician in the backstage room in the VIP room at behind the stage there and like literally Alan Briscoe and Ian Foster and Laney and everybody we used to be down like the Hammersmith Follow literally every single every single week we used to go to the Old Trout which is in the shopping centre beforehand off have our drinks inside there then go across the, the, to the Labatt's Apollo so again yeah. slightly even Vic Reeve days I remember we did all the Vic Reeves concerts there and everything like that um, but like I said you absolutely nothing to do with anything else here at all because we're going to talk about the Liverpool <laughs> game in a bit but like I said yeah. to you uh, Valentine's Day uh, and you're throwing up there I probably had to get somebody to actually clean those toilets after you yeah sorry about that Bill so that's alright mate thank you very much for that as well I'm just coming back to that Charm game as well because remember um, the Allard remember we went to the Pilot Pub um, in North Greenwich just by the just by the O2 didn't we yeah I, I was going to say this is the one we lost 3-0 isn't it yes because of the Warburton situation we did we because because he's on the phone to me over the night before so he didn't yes, actually plan yes, the exactly. game yes yes they were um yes that not set up properly that day but yes the pilot yeah we went to the pilot which was that pub fuller's pub i think just down from the o2 and um is that did we get the bus was that the time we got the bus or did we with um um i can't think of a name England's England said no, no, back. no, no. So the following, the following year, year, the following year, yeah, yeah, we got the bus down, um, and uh, but no, yeah. So no, I, I can't remember. I think we got cabs down from 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 the pilot pub that time. Because you know, we, we, like I said to you, it, it's all starting to merge into one, actually, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so which is uh, which is all good. But um, so just coming back to so Valentine's Day, I, I'll also say that it's just really weird how, like I said to you, uh, how they try to do it. We played Barnsley also in twenty twenty one. And uh, that that game was during lockdown. I'm pretty sure it was during lockdown. So what Brentford did is that they asked people to actually kind of like, you know, send in their Valentine's messages and Peter Gillam would read them out over the tannoy. So like, you are sitting watching Brentford on like iFollow or whatever you were watching at the time. And then you've got Peter Gillam sort of reading out sort of kind of match day announcements uh, for uh, of, the, of your Valentine's message on Valentine's Day as well. So it's, it's amazing what football clubs do to try and uh, try and to rope you in, isn't it? Um, we did also have one more Valentine's Day as well, which we can't remember. We played QPR in 2004. And I know for a fact that I would have 100% have been at that game because there's no way that was going to miss the QPR match. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that was actually negotiated around, actually. And you can't remember that either, can you, the other? I don't particularly remember the match. Um, I think it was one all. And I don't remember any Valentine's Days. I mean, I've never missed football for Valentine's Day. I know that much. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> so there, I, might, I mean, I might have missed football, but but not for not because of Valentine's Day. No, no. Okay. So listen, listen. We're just going to move on just quickly because um, I know the transfer window shut, um, and we we had a player that we were trying to sign and we didn't sign him at the last minute. It's this player Noosa who plays for Bruges, and uh, there was a, a complication with his medical, which meant that we couldn't close the deal when we thought the deal was closed. I think the deal was sorted. We, you know, the money was sorted, the personal terms are sorted, then his medical didn't quite happen. And I think then we were going to go in and try and probably try and negotiate to say, actually, we want to, we want to pay you less money because he's got a bit of a medical issue. Now, we thought that this deal was going to, go and happen in the summer. However, as you know, uh, anytime there's some sort of transfer that is going to happen, Matthew Benham 
always uh, he always tweets or he always puts out a little message, a little YouTube video. Uh, this is not a Laney's type of YouTube video. This is a proper YouTube video here. And uh, you're meant to sort of work out from the clues exactly who is meant to be coming into the club. And it's always 99.9% basically means that a player has been signed. And Matthew Benham put out one of his YouTube videos uh, yesterday, it was. And it's got everybody with their tongues yet wagging. And, 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 and the Allard, can you work out exactly what this means? Well, it's in Bruges. It's from the film in Bruges. And Noosa plays for Bruges, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, but isn't that, a bit, know, isn't that I mean, a bit obvious? Isn't that a bit obvious? Well, that's what I was thinking, and some other, and there are other. There was a, there was also a news story today, wasn't there? Linking Jonathan David with Brentford, which seemed like a load of nonsense as he's valued. He feels like he, he's he would be quite expensive. Yeah, I mean, but, he's but fifty but, million plus. But if but if, if Tony's going to go, but he, he is, and 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 the the in Bruges clip is Colin Farrell's character being um, rude to some American tourists. And um, Jonathan David, born born in America, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, played in Belgium. That's, I think we're pushing it, to be honest. That's right, and and Canadian, Canadian as well. There's all sorts of links in he there. Plays so. for Canada. He that's plays right. for Canada. That's yeah. right. So uh, okay, so it could be Jonathan I, David, fifty million pound plus striker, possibly, <laughs> or it could be uh, Noosa. Uh, the winger from Bruges, um, who knows? But we'll find out maybe tomorrow, maybe next month. Maybe or, never or, we've signed an Ar- or we've signed an Irish lad for the B team. That's right, of course, yeah, which is normally the case. But anyway, yeah, that's right. But anyway, listen, we're going to, uh, we're going to go away. We're going to come back because uh, we're going to talk about that little victory up at Wolverhampton Wanderers, the place that we don't particularly like going to, but we actually enjoyed ourselves this time. I'm going to have a little drink. I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about... Wolves. So Wolverhampton Wanderers, and I've got myself a little bit of Vino Tinto, a little bit of wine to celebrate that victory. I mean, I know it's about four days ago, but it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, one, when you get a victory like that, one must celebrate it all week. So I'll be celebrating that victory all week until Saturday morning when we start to play, getting get ourselves ready to play Liverpool. That Wolves match now, interesting because I was, uh, I had a couple of games, I had a couple of Panthers games on Saturday morning and uh, I was struggling because I had two games back to back and I thought I'm never going to get up to Wolves and I resigned myself to trying to watch the game in other means, you know, uh, we can't talk about what those means will be because obviously, you know, we know that those means are not really, uh... anyway, we move on, but I was thinking about on the knees and then rain came. The game got both games got called off, and at the very last minute, I thought, should I? Should not? Should I? Should not? Made a last minute dash up to Wolves, and it's one of those ones where you know sometimes you make a decision like that, and the decision always goes. You think, oh, I wish I stayed at home, but for the first time in probably a very long time, I thought, brilliant. I feel really good. Nice little run. Nice little day out. Saw a few of the characters. Had a few beers beforehand. Saw a good game. Went back home, and uh, yes, it was it was a good. It was a good overall day out in Wolves to, to, to an away game that I'll be honest with you, I don't normally enjoy going to because when you go to Wolves, I mean, their fans are all right, general, a bit moany at the moment now, but you don't feel 100% welcome because you can never, you can just never get a drink there because they're just, all their pubs are just, just don't let you in. It's really, really weird, you know, so, but we managed to find a place in Pinkville or Pinkton or something outside of Wolves 
where a few of the beast evangelists said, let's meet outside of Walls. And we went inside this pub in this little village outside, just about sort of kind of 10 minutes, 15 minutes drive outside. And it was full of Walls fans. So all of them, they just drink inside this village, jump on the train and they get in there. And I thought maybe this may have to be the future for going to Walls. If they don't want you to drink in their town, you'd have to drink out of their town. Coming back to the game, the Allard, that Walls game, we talked about this sort of kind of beforehand and we're a little bit nervous going into this game. But in the end, the bees did good, didn't they? They did. They did. They, um, I mean, he w Thomas Frank went with the same team. Probably not many other options. Um, I know I made a suggestion that we could try and get KLP in to get a bit of pace. But um, it turns out that um, we didn't need any pace against Wolves or, you know, or little pace. And um, as long as you finish your chances... As long as you score your set pieces and as long as your goalkeeper keeps, um, you know, decent shots out, as he did, and as long as VAR goes your way, um, you can, you know, you you can get away with it and win 2-0. And it wasn't a case of getting away with it. I think, you know, Brentford played really well. You've only got to look at the chance in the first half. Mope could have had a hat-trick, maybe pushing it a bit, but he could have had a hat, you know, could have had one or two at least. And... Um, it could have been be even more comfortable. Pressure from Wolves, of course, in the second half. Um, but that's, as you'd expect, home team uh, throwing the kitchen sink at it, especially a team like Wolves that are full of confidence. And we battened down the hatches and then hit them on the break. Well, it wasn't really on the break, was it? It was more, actually. To be honest, it was more a good press, a really good press, with fresh legs in Yarmouk and KLP taking the ball, um, you know, winning the ball and Janelt's little little turn and, and cross, and, um, and Tony puts it in. Back of the net. I mean, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, when we discussed the match beforehand, we were a little bit nervous. We were, we were nervous about, I mean, you know, you talked about the pace and the fact that we didn't need the pace. But also, you know, don't you think, again, you know, we talk about how Thomas Frank is sort of, he's quite clever, right? And he, he kind of, sort of he knows exactly what we need. And in this situation, we, we did cause them a lot of problems. I mean, the fact is that we did miss, what, two or three very good chances, which in principle meant that we could have been 3-0 up. Yes, as you said, we didn't score those chances, OK? But then we had a scenario where Flecken pulls off this incredible save, right? There's an unbelievable save. Now, back in the day, and I say back in the day, two, three, four games ago, we've had situations where we should have scored one goal or two goals or three goals, we, we, we haven't scored those goals to give ourselves that cushion but then what happens is that your goalkeeper also lets you down and then what we do is we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle the the, the, the the difference that we had I think in this game is that you know we did what we needed to do we've done we've done what we're doing you know in the past few you know few few weeks few months but Flecken being solid at the back has just given us a new dimension don't you think the cock yeah I do I mean I've been <clears throat> I think as as concerned as anyone about Flecken, because I think up till two or three games ago, it, it's really difficult to remember a moment like happened at Wolves, where he's actually properly kind of pulled off a, a a really good save. And I think, you know, Spurs was better, City he was magnificent, and that was a superb save against Wolves. You know, and. That could have been so different if that goal had gone in as it as it was going in for you know a good 15 games in a row. Uh, then suddenly the confidence drains from you, and you could see Wolves going on to win that game. So 
that was a, a game winning save that is absolutely superb and i'm really hoping that he has now turned the corner and he's going to repay the faith that that uh, the management have put in him uh because he's been excellent for the last two games and uh i, I don't think his distribution has been uh a, a real query uh, since he's arrived, he's been really good in that sense, as Raya, of course, was. But actually stopping shots, he's been mediocre, I would say, up till the last few games. But he's now showing what a good goalkeeper he is. Mm. Yeah, and, and again, just coming back to this point, I mean, the point I'm trying to say at the Allard is that everyone sort of says fine margins and all this kind of stuff. Honestly, I, I, I've been saying it, you've been saying it, a lot of people have been saying it. In, in some of these games, we've not been playing badly, especially offensively. We've not been playing badly. We've made some silly mistakes at the back. But at the end of the day, is that it's sometimes the difference between your goalkeeper pulling off a save and not pulling off a save for you getting a point or getting three points. And it's just almost like we haven't had that in the past three months, probably. Right. And that's kind of been a massive difference in us actually being where we are to kind of where we would be. You know, maybe we might only get another three points or two points or four points if he was a different type of keeper over the last couple of months, two or three months. But that's quite a lot in this league because two or three points ahead, three or four points ahead actually puts you in quite a lot of places. Yeah, lot. Yeah. I mean, it's always the case when you're playing, in, when you're in the bottom of the league, is that points, you know, I mean, points mean prizes, obviously, but 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 two or three points can move you much higher up the league than they do when you're at the top of the league. Because on average, you're only getting a point a game. So if you pick up three points for a game, you make a move, don't you? So so yep, you're right. I think I think with Flecken, I I don't know with Flecken. I was never like super um, unhappy with him, but I but but at the same point, I could always I I totally got what people were saying was that. He didn't seem to pull that save out that you just needed him to pull out at the end of a game or or, or at half time or just before half time. I mean, it, it was quite funny that I think I think two of his worst games, according to a recent conversation I had, were actually didn't he didn't play in, which which also shows you know that the, the Man United away game was it Wolves um, in the cup, um, and 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 it's interesting because I, th I think you start getting a perception that he's not doing well and then you notice him not doing well rather than you don't notice him if you see what I mean so, so, so as that builds up you start to see more and more times when he hasn't dived and maybe you wouldn't have questioned that if you thought he was playing well I, I, I don't know if I'm making any sense but but the spotlight was firmly on him and, um, and, and therefore anything he did that looked a bit odd got um, amplified do you know what I mean yeah so I don't know if Flecken I, 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 I'd not made my mind up about him. I was just saying, I really don't know whether he's any good or not. Um, that was kind of my view. I thought he was fine with his feet, and uh, you know, because because he gave us the extra player at the back, which which is which is what you need. I mean, that's that, that's modern progressive football, isn't it? And I thought he was fine at that, but but I do also take in that ultimately the goalkeeper's job is to make saves and he didn't seem to be doing that a lot no. um so so it's great I, I you know it's really good i hope it gives him masses of confidence um and um but like you say yeah if he'd made a couple of saves here and there earlier in the season we might already have had two or three more points so yeah i i i agree and 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 you know the margins are really tight down the bottom of this league and and if and if they fall your way for a couple of games you can pull clear and that hadn't happened, or that's not that that, that hadn't happened. 
hopefully it will in the next couple of weeks. That's I mean, right. well, I, it feels like we've pulled clear anyway, but do you know what I mean? Just to build on, on it, it feels like we've got a good base again. I, I, think that, I think the fact that he's had the same defence, give or take, for the last couple of games has helped as well. You know, I think when you're fairly low on confidence, you're new to a team and the, the four or the five in front of you are changing every week and arguably getting, getting uh, less strong every week, then that's got to be very difficult to build confidence behind, if that makes sense. So I think if, if we, we, we seem to have settled now on a fairly uh, consistent back five, uh, Reggion coming in has looked really solid, really impressive. So he's, he's beginning to, I think, trust the players in front of him and that's reciprocated by them as well so yeah this feels like a really important turning point if he can continue it and, and there is an irony there isn't there because because the reason we're playing five at the back is because we're forced into it because of the injuries and the players away at AFCON so, 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 so it's almost like yes great he's got a settled defensive unit but actually we don't play with a settled defensive unit because we play with four at the back or five at the back or three at the back whatever do you know what I mean? So, so, so that's something we've been forced into in the last sort of five weeks. And maybe that has helped him, but, but it's probably not by choice, if that makes sense. It, yeah. it does. And I think there will be times when, and hopefully quite soon, when we're reverting to a back four against some of the weaker sides. And that'll be up to him to try and acclimatise, I think, to a different structure in front of him. But once you've got that bit of confidence, then I think that's achievable. And it's obviously, you know, when you're, when you're not playing well, it's got to be the worst position in the side, you know, because all the focus is on you. I, and and I'll I, I tell you something else, though, is that there was a corner Wolves had where he did uh, what I thought was a really weird punch when it, was it a corner or it might have been a cross, I'm not sure, where he could have caught it in the second half and he did, he did one of those sort of weird double hand punches. Um, if we'd lost that game, we'd be talking about that. Talking about that game, we're going to go over to the fans straight after the game. And tell you something, I said this before, I love doing post-match podcasts when you're on a gloomy tip beforehand, then you win a game because everyone's happy. And after that game, literally everybody was happy. Birthday celebrations and all sorts. We're going to go to the terraces, to the stands, outside the ground. After the game, we're going to listen to the Brentford fans and the Wolves fans straight after that match. Ah, oh, fantastic stuff, Bill. I'm just so pleased this team. We really did deserve that on the first half performance. We stuck in there in the second half, got the breakaway goal, clean sheet. Mark Flecken is looking at the keeper we bought. I'm fucking loving it. I'm loving it. Oh, yeah. The boring chant, boring joy. Now, this is the, so Wolverhampton Wanderers, anytime anything happened, our player got fouled, they fell over. Wolverhampton Wanderers fans shouting, boring, boring, boring. Well, it obviously wasn't that boring because actually they lost 2-0, was it? wasn't boring at all, Billy. What a great result. We really deserved that. Brilliant in the first half. Under pressure in the second half. What a moment when Tony got that goal. We needed that result so much. Norgard had a great game today. Nathan Collins back at Wolves played well. Really good all-round team performance and a great day. Before we came to this game, what were you expecting? I had it done as 2-1 on the Super 6. To the beast? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to blame you. Well, I suppose winning away from home is quite enjoyable every time. Isn't it? Well, I thought they ran out of ideas. I thought they put us under a lot of pressure first. 20? Yeah, but then I thought they ran out of ideas and they were just popping it in the area. And I felt Brentford were quite comfortable dealing with yeah, yeah, yeah. them balls in the area. Talk about the library. 
And we're not talking about we're not about Arsenal Library either. It's still here in Wolverhampton. Tell me, did you enjoy that? Oh yeah. Finally, we went away from home. When I tried London for the first time, 11 months, love it. Absolutely beautiful performance. Yeah, it was the injuries that were doing us. We got Tony back now. We got defence finally sorted out as well. And that, with that in front of Flecken, it's helping him out as well. He's had so much problems this season. He's finally got some form going. We'll be absolutely fine. Mark Flecken was absolutely incredible for the second game. I mean, he was completely solid at the back. He had full confidence and that means that as you saw Collins was able to push up more he had a lot more confidence when he was on the ball and he was pressing up more just amazing to see and amazing for Tony to get another goal uh, yeah. as always as always we can't knock more by five goals in five he obviously hasn't scored today but he was still giving in the mixer wasn't he a lot of gym. yeah he was always getting involved as well and that's what you love about him and he's obviously Brentford through and through because he's come back on the way here I said to the wife Brentford ain't going to want us to beat them three times they're going to come at us, they're going to be aggressive, they're going to be hard and they're going to put 11 men behind the ball to defend and that's what you did and we couldn't break you down um, and it, it made it difficult, we just didn't look like scoring today. To be fair, as a fan, I love football, you know, we're rivals but you deserve the win, you played well. Brilliant, brilliant. For, for, uh, what made it though was Fleck and Saif, change the game mate. That would have been 1-1 one, one just before half time. And then, like, why we went. I thought that was brilliant. Great performance. Oh, apart from that, though, they, they didn't really create too much. Though, it's incredible. You know what? It's my birthday. Oh, right? Happy birthday Thank to you, you very man. much. Oh. oh, it's a birthday as well. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Did you get all you wanted for your birthday today? Hey. Yes. Good. And yourself, did you get enough for your birthday today? Uh, I mean, or do the, you want the, more? The night's still young, you know. Oh. Well, there you go. You're too greedy, you lot, man. Just be happy. Just be happy. So there you go, Bees fans, Wolves fans. To be fair, the Wolves fans actually was uh, quite respectful. I mean, interestingly, if you look at them on Twitter, they're really there's a lot of bitterness going on in in in, in the Premier League. It's, just, it's it's unbelievable. People just don't realise like time management and all that kind of stuff. That like everyone does it, and they they seem to remember it when you do it, but they don't remember it when they do it themselves. I mean, Wolves are calling us cheats and the chance of boring, boring during the match every time our player went down. I remember Jensen went down, I think it was, and then he went, there were all the Wolves fans singing, boring, boring, like, you know what I'm saying, trying to make out that we were time-wasting, and then he got substituted because he was injured, like, you know, so, but there's really, really sort of kind of strangeness, but Wolves fans don't probably, probably quite forgotten the fact that the, the, the year after Glovegate, which was where uh, where uh, Raya, um, he, he he his glove got ripped and he kind of like seemed to take forever, you know, to sort of kind of change his glove and stuff like that. It just took forever, and they were very unhappy with the with the glove gate scenario, um, saying that we're cheating. But the following year, they basically spent forever cheating and time wasting as well. And it was commented. I think Thomas Frank actually commented in the press conference, and all the Wolves fans were going, "Oh yeah, so it's Thomas Frank to say about time wasting. You forgot about last year." So I'm thinking, like, listen, everybody does it. They all do it. It's about time management, and especially in a situation that we're in as well, where we've lost all our attacking players, all not attacking players, our, our, our speedy players, our, our fast players, our, 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 our pace is missing. So we've got to adapt our game a little bit. So at the end of the day, you kind of just adapt and just deal with it. And at the end of the day, it's up for the referee to deal with the issues and make sure that sort of certain things do and don't happen. So I don't know what the boring and the, and the miserableness and everything like that, I think it's all down to the fact that they, they just got beaten, beaten by the mighty beast. <laughs> you think so, the Ellard? Yeah, I mean that's just that's football fans, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> we've all got a bit of that in us. Um, if um, the other team are winning, they're time wasting. Uh, the only team that don't time waste when they're winning, I think, are Man City. 
yeah. from my recollection, yeah. who don't, don't seem to time waste. But don't forget, they're boring, boring. I mean, I, I talked about they're, that last uh, week, didn't I? True, they're boring. They are supposedly boring in other ways. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, that's just being a football fan, isn't it? You know, I yeah. But we we were we weren't hanging on for dear life, were we? Because, but 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 there were times, you know, when we were under the cosh and 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 what you do is you break up the game and you you you, you try and take a bit is out of the game if. If Wolves have got the momentum, um, and it's exactly what teams do against us, it, it's just the way football is. Football allows that. I, th- I think that's part of the. If if you think it's a problem, and and it probably is overall, but football allows it. The referees allow it. The rules tend to allow it. Um, so 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 why wouldn't you do it? I, I think the the one good thing because I agree with all of that, but I think that at last they're beginning to add on most of the time that is wasted. So. When other teams are doing it these days, if if we're uh, if we're behind, at least you you know or you think that most of that time is going to get added back on. It doesn't, you know. Matt's right. You kind of lose the the impetus that you had. But it, uh, so in one sense, the team that's time wasting is getting an advantage, but they're getting less of an advantage than they used to. You know. So I I, I think that's been such a positive. Uh, change in the rules there because it was getting ridiculous when games are down to half the real length that they should be that's that's a real problem I think you know not just when your team's getting frustrated but when you're actually getting uh, you know deprived of a football game that you paid money for so it, 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 yeah. but what it hasn't done is stop the time wasting because because no, the time wasting is still going on and, and, and that's my point is it's more about stopping momentum as much yes. as it is about trying to Taking sort of, you know, yeah, game. exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It hasn't really, it hasn't stopped that. Mm. No. Just coming back to the game, you know, and talking about the plus points, and, and we talked, again, we talked about this last week, again, in the podcast about, you know, if, listen, let's take pod, uh, plus points out of the game. Man City, we might have lost, but there are a number of plus points from that game. One of them was Flecken, and obviously he's now taken those plus points into the Wolves game, and he's actually taken it to that next level. There was also Regulon, who great, you know, he he, he had a, I thought he had a very good game against Manchester City. Again, he's taken it into the Wolves game, and he's taken it at that next level. We've we kept a clean sheet. You know, he's 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 getting progressively up the up the pitch. He's sort of laying the ball off, and you know, he's just playing really well. I'm going to talk to. I'm going to ask a question about Collins. Now, Collins had a bit of a nightmare against Wolves against his former side as well. Yeah, there's a bit of an agent Collins thing going on when we played earlier in the season where he literally kind of passed the ball to them and then they just kicked the ball in the back of the net I think it's a couple of times uh, he didn't have this type of game in this match at all in fact I was there with the crew that I was uh, the, 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 the East Coast Bees the, 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 the Suffolk Bees I was standing with them and we were going oh my god Collins on a bit of a mission. He's like he's out there to prove to Wolves actually kind of all the mistakes that he made beforehand. He's obviously overturning them and going two or three or four better. He had a he had a marvelous game, didn't he, the Yard? Yeah, sort of redemption to some extent. I mean, he it, it wasn't a match-winning game performance by him, obviously, but 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 in terms of what he added to to the team, um, he contributed massively. I think. Um, We've always known. We've always known that he's a progressive centre back. I, I made the point. I don't know, right at the beginning of the season, that if you don't like, if you didn't like John Stones five years ago, be prepared for not, not liking Nathan Collins because he plays in that way. He's um, he's 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 about moving into midfield and he's about 
moving the ball forwards as much as he's about defending. And I know lots of people talk about it's all about defending at the back and um, and Ben Mee gets plaudits for that, albeit maybe not so many this season, but for being a proper defender. And what you've got in Collins is a, is a different type of defender. He's a player that when you play a back five, he can move into midfield. And he can move into midfield when not expected. And then when he picks the ball up, he moves it forwards. I think he was involved in, was it a couple of the Mope chances in the first half? You know, he, he's, he's, he's starting to find that confidence. And that's why I'm sure that's why we signed him. We didn't sign him because of his, you know, he's, he, I'd expect him not to be bad defensively. I'm not saying he should be bad defensively, but that isn't why we signed him. We've, we, we signed him. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For his, for his progressiveness. And, and and I think we saw that in, in, in the game. 100%, you know, and like I said to you, there's an, and like I said, the number of moves that he did, you know, sort of lay, laying the ball off, setting the ball, you know, setting the ball, finding himself up the pitch and just causing problems. And, and in effect, almost like pinning walls back to a certain extent. And I, and I thought that was just, you know, again, it's one of those things where you could see where the shackles offer a little bit for the Brentford. We find that where we haven't got the pressure on because I feel that to a certain extent, they felt the pressure has been on the last... You know, last couple of months, you can feel the pressure on, but as soon as the pressure comes off, you can see the players just sort of naturally playing the game, which is uh, which is the game that they, they that they're good at and they that, and they want to play, and probably the game that they play day in and day out when they're on the training ground, and that was actually lovely to see. Um, tell you something, what we're going to do actually, we're just going to quickly go over and have a little break because we want to we, we want to have a little bit of facts and funk going down because we we need to hear what JB has got to say right about kind of the Brentford team because you know Thomas Frank he actually played the same team two weeks two weeks in a row or two games in a row uh, JB's got a lot to say about unchanged teams in his facts and his funk Jonathan Birchall back again. This Saturday we'll see our 100th game in the Premier League. Perhaps fitting that we should be playing Liverpool, one of the sides who played in all of our top tier seasons. In the home games of our two previous Premier League seasons, and our original five in Division 1, these games have always been eventful. They average over four goals per game, and neither side has kept a clean sheet in any of the seven previous matches. Back to last weekend. In our final game with Wolves this season, brought us our first win of the four matches played. It saw Christian Norgard score his seventh goal for us. Apart from his goal in our opening Premier League match with Arsenal, his other six goals have all been scored away. Saturday saw Thomas able to name an unchanged starting eleven from the Man City game. The only other time he could do that this season was 20 games ago, in games two and three, the Fulham away and Palace at home before injuries started having a major influence on team selection. The comparison with last season is quite stark, particularly in defence, where David Rea was ever-present in goal for all of our league matches, Rico Henry and Ben Mee missing just one league game each, Ethan Pinnock only missed the first eight games of the season, while Aaron Hickey started 23 of the 38. Brentford, of 
Olympiacos hold the record for winning all our home games in 1929-30, something no other team has equalled since. Apart from form like that, Thomas Frank must be envious of the manager of that side, Harry Curtis, for in that season, in an era before substitutes, he was able to name an unchanged team for a club record 21 successive games. So there you go, JB, Facts and Funk, Unchanged Teams. It wasn't quite 21 successive games. I don't think we're going to quite get to that this season at all due to all the injuries, but that's quite, a, quite an impressive stat there, actually. Uh, so coming back to sort of Unchanged Teams, up front, Malpe and Tony. Question marks for you, Allard, before the game with this pair, but uh, they did all right, considering, didn't they? Yeah, we, we, we won the game 2-0, so well done. <laughs> they... That, they found a way to work together. Um, I still think there's, you know, I, I personally, I still think it's flawed. Um, I think that probably the, the more you have the ball, the less flawed it is. Because if you've got the ball and you're building up, you don't, you, you know, you don't necessarily need the pace. I think it's when you're trying to hit teams on the counter-attack that unless you've got, you know, your wing backs um, giving you that pace. That, that's all. That, that, that's my point. But, but But they do work well together. I will give you that. Um, they seem to have, you know, some sort of an understanding, which is good. Um, and Malpe is finding himself in the right places uh, to score goals. And that's what we've seen in recent weeks. And I, I'd imagine that playing with Tony probably helps that. I, th- I think Tony's, you know, Tony's taking up two defenders, isn't he? Most of the time. That frees up Malpe to some extent. So, yeah, it's working. Um, it's the only option we've had for the last few weeks. And um, we've done all right with it. And, and Malpe has actually come out and said, ah, I, I, I want to leave Everton and I want to go back to Brentford because they love me and it's just the best place in the world, which is something that you probably would have expected him to say because that's the kind of person that he is and he does bleed red and white. But Malpe, question the cog, should we take Malpe next season? I mean, you've got to presume that we've already done a deal. I think we've already done a pre-deal for him if it all goes well because we're not we're not the type of team to build a player up and then all of a sudden somebody takes them back and goes, thank you very much. You know, he scored no goals with us now and, you know, he's come away from you and he scored 15 and we're just going to go and sell him for loads. So we've probably done a pre-deal with him, but should we actually take Malpe on board in the summer, the cog? I, I think if uh, Price is right, I think we should. I mean, I, he's certainly proved that he's a better player than uh, he showed at Everton. Uh, you know, and the last full season he had for us, he scored, you know, 20 odd goals. He he gets involved in a lot, uh, whether that's scoring goals or assists or missing goals, actually. Uh, he He could probably have scored twice the number of goals that he has. So he's getting in the right place. He also links up or can link up play really nicely. Uh, and I think just uh, as others have pointed out, he's he is an infectious character. He he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve and his love for Brentford on his sleeve. And now that the likes of Canos has moved on, maybe he, he has a role to fulfil on that side of things as well. I, I don't think he's going to be a first pick, uh, particularly if we're playing three up front. It's difficult to see how with Ivan Tony in the side, he can kind of uh, play alongside him and the team maintain any kind of width. But he, he's not let us down. He's done, he's done really well. I, th- I think the biggest problem with him uh, is his lack of pace. 
and I, and I remember when he was playing for us in the championship, I, I never noticed that he was a particularly slow player. He always seemed kind of, uh, if you like, quick off the mark. He may not have had real breakaway pace, but he never seemed slow. But there's there's been two separate occasions this season. One was the breakaway goal at Chelsea when he gave the keeper probably about a 30-yard start and the keeper <laughs> caught up with him. That that was, you know, if he hadn't, if that ball hadn't managed to go on to Brian for Brian to stick away, that would have been really, really humiliating, actually. He just looked like an old man when he was trying to run up the pitch. And there was another instance as well in the home game. I can't remember which one it was, but again, I just, it was quite early after he'd rejoined us and I thought, oh my God, he is so heavy-footed. So that's going to that's gonna continue to count against him, I think. And there might be a slightly different, slightly deeper position for him. Uh, and I know we don't, we don't tend to play with number 10s as such, but there could be something uh, where he's still very involved in the press, he's still very involved in linking things together and can still arrive in the box at the right moment, but he's not that kind of spearhead if you like because his pace is never going to be his friend but I, I would I would keep him I think he's probably done at least as well as we all hoped that he'd do uh, <clears throat> so I, I, I don't think we necessarily owe him one but he's uh, uh, he, he's he's done well I think yeah and, and, and I mean I predicted actually he was going to get 10 goals when he signed for us at the beginning of the season when I spoke to my Everton mates and other people who said to you what are you signing him for and I said he's going to score us 10 goals this season so he's he's on the he's on the way as they say the Allard would you keep Malpay for next season depends who else we sign um, I think if we signed an out and out number nine I don't think he plays much apart from if the out and out number nine's out of form or injured um, so say we so say our replacement for Ivan Tony is Ivan Tony Mark Two. I don't think he plays a lot next season. Um, if our replacement for Ivan Tony is more of a Watkins-esque um, centre forward, one that can play wide, then then I think it probably is worth keeping him. Yeah, so, so it just depends on the balance, really. And, and I always sort of I, I tend to look beyond who's better than who and. You know, is is Wiesa better than Mope or whatever? It's it, it's for me. It's more about how you find the best balance, and um, and there is a potential place for him, but it does depend who we sign. Because oh. I, I I'm not really sure he wants to come here. I don't think he wants to spend next season sitting on the bench, and it would be a bit of a shame if he did really, because I think he needs to play, doesn't he? Mm, yeah, definitely. He's that type of player because he, if he doesn't play, then he doesn't get to wind other people up, though, does he? So just finally, want to say as well, Ivan Tony. Um, he played and I, I, I sat there and I, I, well, I didn't stand because we were all standing actually talk about standing actually before I do that I'm going to talk about Ivan Tony a bit but um, Wolverhampton Wanderers um, what a change like I said to you um, all of a sudden they've put us instead of being in the side bit and so normally you go in the walls and you're in this little side trench bit right where all the fans are sort of kind of like lined up all the way along the side in a fairly narrow terrace or a very narrow sort of seating bit and it's been an, it's a, I mean we've been there since um, championship days it's always been a nightmare to be honest with you because you try and get some atmosphere going but you can't because basically everyone's kind of like kind of spread out along the length of the pitch so you can't really get a good atmosphere going um but they they swapped us they put us behind the goal this time and upstairs behind the goal in the safe standing area and i have to admit it's a lot better 
you're more spaced out what was also nice is that basically you know for the first time probably since the championship you know i've gone to a game and basically the seats haven't sold out that we hadn't sold out our, our, our allocation so you can go anywhere you wanted to so it's just like the olden days where you go in there you find your mates and you can go just stand in your little groups and and it was it's actually quite a nice vibe um and and you're up there you can see the pitch um you know you've got you had little pockets of bees fans trying to get the singing going and everything like that and i thought this is much better here you know much more spacious you you, you feel like you're a, you're a, you're away crew all there together so that, that was quite you know that, like i said that was quite good and so looking down on ivan tony and i turned around to the to, to the suffolk beam he said Tony's a bit off today, isn't he? Because like, you know, his pressing game wasn't necessarily on. Every time the ball kept coming to him, he, he, he kept losing it. Sometimes his passes was off, and we're thinking, mm, he's, he's not, he's not quite on it. I wonder what's going on there. And we didn't find out till afterwards when uh, Thomas Frank said in the press conference, he said to him, he was such a great player, he still scored a goal, and he's been ill for the last three days. He's, he was ill Thursday and Friday and Saturday, but he still wanted to play, and that kind of makes. Um, well, it says the reason why he was. I mean, did, did, yeah, did you notice that he was a bit, he was a bit peaky? Yeah, he didn't. I mean, I, I didn't think that he had the best game, but he did. But fuck me, you know, he scored a proper goal, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, that that, that was you know really good. So um, it was maybe good to hear that he wasn't feeling that great <laughs> because you know you, you sort of. It, I wouldn't say it was a disinterest. It just, it just. Um, but again, I. I I think it might be a little bit to do with him and Mope together. How hard can you press? You know, when KLP comes on, suddenly he's got the legs, hasn't he, to get around across their defenders. Mm. Um, so, so maybe, you know, maybe maybe it's a bit of that as well. But if he was feeling peaky, um, hope he's had a nice week in bed. I think he's, he's ready had, for the Liverpool game. I, I think Resting he's had a, a lovely week in bed playing against, playing against the team that he supported in his younger days as well. So listen, um, something... We've been chatting about this game, um, but we're going to go down and give you a little statistical and tactical lowdown on the Wolves game. We're going to go to B's Breakdown, the Gala, based in the stateside. And he's giving us the lowdown on that Wolves game. And also, he's going to look forward to the Liverpool game. Hey, this is Jacob Gather with Bees Breakdown. So Wolves ended with 71% possession, but they had very little XG to show for it because Brentford did so well preventing those high percentage chances and they rarely let Wolves take advantage of them in transitional moments. Uh, the Bees were able to implement their hybrid pressing system to disrupt Wolves' buildup, and the Bees finally capitalized on this in the second half with Tony's goal, but Mape threatened multiple times in the first half from the same tactics, and I thought that Regulon had another excellent performance for the Bees. He ended with an assist, and he led the team with six tackles, and Nathan Collins also stepped up after his shaky performance during the last Premier League match against his former team. Uh, Collins led the Bees with four interceptions, ten clearances, and three key passes, and he was instrumental in that man-marking system and always provided that numerical advantage when choosing to get forward. And Mark Flecken also ended with a clean sheet for the first time since the Chelsea match in October, and the Bees will definitely need him to continue to perform well as they take on Liverpool on Saturday, uh, which leads us into that Liverpool preview. So Liverpool are currently top of the league and they have created the most XG, although their away record is not as impressive. They've created around the same amount of XG as the Bees have on the road. Uh, so they're going to look to hit switches of play and look to stretch Brentford's width uh, to create chances. They have the second longest average shot distance, which only makes having the most shots on target and leading advanced finishing statistics more impressive. 
And on the other end, Liverpool lead the Premier League in passes blocked, which is hard to do when you average 60% possession. Uh, and they also have allowed the lowest average passes per defensive action, which goes to show how dangerous and coordinated their counterpressing is. And not only do they have the highest percentage of aerial duels won, but they also have the most ball recoveries. So winning second balls will be crucial again for the Bees. I'd also expect a more aggressive high press from Brentford, especially when given time to set up on goal kicks or throw-ins. And watch out for Collins again to to get some more interceptions, uh, win in that man-marking system, and create some chances going forward. Uh, One issue I could see for the Bees is Liverpool's corner kicks, which... They've created the third most XG from corners this season, and it it may test Flecken to command his box and be strong in the air and then also be decisive on their tricky outswinging corners. So there you go, the Gowler statistical tactical lowdown on the Wolves game. Just to give you a little lowdown on Wolves as well from our perspective, uh, the whoscore.com Wolves stole the ball from us uh, quite a lot as well and they're also effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the flanks uh, where their weaknesses were they're poor at finishing and also committed a high number of individual errors Brentford we were created a high number of chances relative to opposition we also were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from the flanks and also from set pieces and we were strong at finishing we actually lost possession often and we also gave away a lot of free kicks around the box Wolves played with width, had a large quantity of possession in the, an hour and a half, that is. Favoured long balls, attacked down the left-hand side, dominated possession, and favoured crossing the ball. Whereas we attacked down the left, attacked through the middle, and we favoured long balls. The top five players, according to whoscored.com, were all Brentford players. Norgard, Flecken, Regulon, Collins, and Ivan Tony. So that kind of shows you that we dominated that game okay they might have dominated when it comes to attempts on goal there's seven or 17 attempts we had nine they had 13 in open play we had six okay so you know that's the the, the actual stats itself i mean we, we've spoken to bees breakdown they've given us the xg to just give you how that actually maps out and statistically but that just gives you an idea of of that game where in in overall that was our game wasn't it the allard yeah i mean it it wasn't we haven't spoken about our captain have we who had a cracking game i mean you know he was um christian norgard that is christian norgard of course yes the i i i think it to some extent it goes back to collins being able to step into midfield because when collins can step into midfield it gives norgard the free the freedom to move up on the press so what i've noticed in recent times when we play three at the back i don't know if we do it so much when it's four is that norgard actually gets beyond say jensen and janel on the press um, and that must be that, that the fact that Collins can then step up must sort of give, give him that freedom to do that um, and a cracking goal as well. Albeit probably Wolves won't be best happy about their defending. No, 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 no. So listen, I mean, the Wolverhampton Wanderers game, good day out, lovely sunny day, great drinks beforehand, good atmosphere inside the ground and tell you something, very happy that I went and tell you some fair play to Thomas Frank, fair play to the Bees, uh, the Bees players, fair play to the Bees fans that went up there as well and like I said to you three points which we really really need because it's going to put us into this Liverpool match giving us some good vibes and some positive vibes going into that game because a lot of people were very nervous about that game but as I've said, I keep saying this, we're going to pull off a surprise against someone don't know who it's going to be between now and the end of the season. So listen, you know, just, just let's just throw it all into the hat and let's see how it goes. Anyway, listen, I'm going to go away. We're all going to go away. We're going to have a few little drinks. Then we're going to come back. We are going to talk about the Liverpool game. 
Liverpool coming to New Griffin Park. I'm not even going to say I'm not allowed to say that because I say whatever I want. Right. <laughs> Liverpool coming down to our ground Saturday morning and they are not happy with us at all. And I know the Liverpool fans are very nervous about Brentford. I know they're a very good side and they did very well against us up at their place, but that doesn't really matter anymore because they know that Ivan Tony is back. He wasn't playing at their place, if you remember rightly. Uh, also, we had 3 million injuries when we were at that place and we've only got 2 million and 700,000 this time. You know I'm so we've got slightly less injuries than we did last time. So it's a different team and we've just had a win at Wolves and we are, you know, I'd say positive minded. So Liverpool fans aren't going to be overly confident. I mean, they'll still be confident, but they're not going to be as confident as they were probably two months ago when they were playing us. Tell you what, we're going to talk about Liverpool in a little bit, but before we talk about Liverpool between ourselves. Let's go over to our chums, our buddies at the Anfield Wrap. We're going to talk to Neil from the Anfield Wrap. He's going to give us a little bit of a lowdown about Liverpool. Neil, how are you? Very well indeed. Very, very well. It's good to see you, man. I'm telling you, 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 you're looking quite chipper, quite, quite chipper, because you know that the the, the the race for the title is still back on, and you are probably a little bit nervous because you come into the bees hole and things don't necessarily go particularly well when you come to Brentford. But still, you've got to be happier than you were probably even this time last season. Oh, so much happier than this time last season. I mean, it's it's chalk and cheese between the two states. We were we were in a really bad way, February 2023. Uh, it's amongst the worst times the manager's had uh, during his tenure. It was, you know, uh, it was a bad period for a lot of players. And we were also stuck in this mad loop where we just basically kept playing a variant of Wolves, Brighton and Chelsea, which sometimes happens over the course of a season. We had Wolves in the FA Cup, uh, went to a replay. We had them home and away close together back to back. We had Brighton in the league. Um, and then we had them in the FA Cup as well, and we had Chelsea. So, yeah, at least we're not playing any of those three over and over and over again. I want to talk to you about the big question, obviously, on everyone's lips now, is Jurgen Klopp. You're probably bored of sort of talking about it now, and he's off. But I just want to know, really, realistically, talking to you, because I, I respect your opinion, how big a body blow is this to, to yourself and to Liverpool fans and to Liverpool? On a, on a personal level uh, and on a, you know... I think on a personal level for everyone um, and for the city, it, it, it's a massive body blow because because the esteem that Klopp's held in, uh, in terms of what he's achieved, but also you know his his general demeanour separate to literally the ninety minutes of football. Uh, the ninety minutes of football is and always will be the most important thing, uh, and he's obviously a brilliant football manager. There's 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 a line I always say which is winning helps. But winning helps Jurgen Klopp do a lot of the other things that Jurgen Klopp does. You know, because of his standing and his stature, he's able to speak out on LGBT issues uh, around Liverpool and around some chanting that there used to be around Chelsea. And he's able to effectively win the argument in one interview or two interviews as it, as it transpired. Um, winning helps with that, but also having that sort of that presence and that leadership and that willingness to fill that role which I think maybe in a number of ways came as a bit a bit of a shock to him in his first interview he talks about himself as the normal one and uses that sort of language about who he is as a manager but his style of communication um, is straightforward no nonsense is perhaps not quite accurate because I think he is capable of a little bit of nonsense here and there but his his desire to to 
answer a very uh, answer the question thoroughly, even if he doesn't particularly like being asked the question. But thoroughly meaning that he exhausts everything he's got to say on a topic, um, and does so with a certain amount of economy uh, as well. At times, like that's it, that's finished, that's finished with. Now I've told you what I think, and I've got nothing else. I've got nothing else for you. Is a bit of his demeanour. Everything that he's done, um, everything that he's won. The, the difference the football club there is in the football club globally, nationally and locally uh, from uh, 2015 when he arrived the way in which it is now in 2024 all of that is such a such an enormous achievement that it is a massive body blow that he's going to be leaving the club the flip side of it is though he is leaving the club in a very different place to the club that he picks up in 2015 let's, let's go back to your season anyway yeah. you're obviously very happy this season okay so I mean just talk to us just briefly about your season you know a couple of games that you're happy with this season and just how it's panned out so far yeah I've been really happy with the the, the form in January was exceptional um, they, they beat Newcastle 4-2 on uh, New Year's Day and I know Brentford supporters understand their expected goals they actually post the highest expected goals no, it's ridiculous uh, that any team has ever posted it's uh, ridiculous. in the Premier League. Yeah, they, they, they dismantled them. And then they did something similar away at Bournemouth, second half especially, and then they did something uh, similar at home to Chelsea. So, you know, that, that it's an excellent month, it really is. It's a shame in, in hindsight that we only involved three league games. They also put five past Norwich uh, in the, at, at the same time and qualified for the League Cup final. Things run aground a little bit at Arsenal. It's it wasn't just it was Liverpool's second league defeat of the season, but it was by a mile their poorest performance. Arsenal played well, don't get me wrong, but Liverpool just never properly got going in the game. We were poor um, back in December away at Palace for seventy minutes, and then we get what I think is a red card, but it's a red card you very rarely get for two yellows. They were two low key yellows, both of them were yellows, uh, but Palace go down to ten, and then we, we we win the game, and we deserve to win the game after they go down to ten. But before then, we didn't deserve to win the game. Apart from that, even though we lost to Tottenham after we went down to nine, in and the whole game was obviously uh, ruined by that rarest of VAR oddities, uh, and I don't mean that facetiously. It's the only one of its type that we know of. Um, where the, the, the literally the VAR booth came to the correct decision and then managed to miscommunicate it to the referee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we didn't deserve to lose that day at Tottenham. Um, we arguably deserved to lose at Palace. We definitely deserved to lose at Arsenal. But apart from that, while we have lost two, we, we we have not deserved to lose another game. Now that doesn't mean we've always played football from the gods. Far from it. But in none of the other games would it have been a reasonable thing to come away and go. You know what? Liverpool should. You know Liverpool should have got beat there. Yeah. So just coming back to the title race, I just want you to confirm with me. So you're saying the title race? Are you saying it's a three-way race? Is it a four-way race? Is it a three-way um, race? Yeah, I'm furious. It's a three-way race. I mean, no. Let listen. I can barely take allow myself to take North London seriously enough to include Arsenal I am not under any circumstances including Tottenham Hotspur in this um, you know it's, I have to strain my sinews to include Arsenal but listen they beat us 3-1 at the gaff, so they're in uh, they've just scored six at West Ham they've fixed the goal difference issue that they had which was only a minor one their goal difference is now only one poorer than ours and, and is, is the same as City's so no, Arsenal are in, whether I like it or not. Um, it's a three-horse race. It's not a four-horse race. It was never a four- or five-horse race. Just talk to me about Brentford and your vibes on the base. I think the season's been very, very odd. Whenever I've caught Brentford, I still think a lot of the, the principles, the core ways of playing, um, they've all been, I think, pretty good. I think they've been pretty accurate. Um, you know, I think they've been a side that is capable of, as you said before, sort of winning any any game within reason. Where I think it's gone... Uh, a little bit tricky for Brentford has been I feel like there's been a I feel as though there's been just more individual errors 
and more moments of things just not being quite right uh, through a number of games. So there's been just people knocking off, uh, as I said before, referring to one of the City goals that you'd never seen in previous years or not not, not in quite the same way. And I think that's part of what's led to the, to the league position being what it is. I don't think there's any sort of notion of how people have worked out Brentford, which I think has been tried to sort of throw around the place because I do think that well, Brentford are... I think in general the notion of teams working teams out is a little bit overstated. I think people can, you know, the speed now with which everyone can do the data analysis, get the videos in, everyone's played each other so many times before, everyone knows the players' strengths and weaknesses. I think that gets overstated. I think that you can make a tactical change um, for a period and then decide it's not working for you in the same way anymore and change it again because sides have begun to sort of get a better and better plan around it. But I think it's quite the same as working it out. Um, and I don't think that's happened to Brentford. I think it's been individual moments that have let Brentford down, combined with what I think is not a nailed-down 100% injury crisis in terms of weight of numbers, but what has been players missing in specific positions. I'm just wondering, who are the players who you are maybe slightly concerned about on Saturday? Uh Tony's the obvious one, but I think if I was picking, if I was in Thomas Frank's shoes, I would actually start Lewis Potter uh, ahead of Morpé. And, and the reason why is that idea of just a little bit more pace. I, I think it'll be a horrible, uh, and the Manchester City results actually, I think it'll be a horrible occasion for Liverpool. I think that the crowd will be up. Um, I think it'll be intimidating. I think it's very important for Liverpool that they score the first goal in that ground um, because I don't think we've done that yet we should just about uh, have enough but I'm not expecting it to be pleasant at all so was it 2-1 or was it 3-1 3-1 3-1 he one. says 2-1 on 85 3-1 on 95 right okay so 3-1 to the mighty mighty bees is that right no that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a little clip we're just giving you a little taster of my little conversation with Neil from the Anfield Wrap and you can check out the whole interview on prideofwest.london we're putting out the whole interview separately so you can have two little bites of liverpool you can listen to us here talking about liverpool with neil giving us a little taster and also you can listen to the full conversation with me and neil from the anfield rap about that liverpool game liverpool the cog you nervous i think it's one of those games where we haven't got a whole load to lose i think that when we've been worrying about fixtures and the, the the shape of some of the games that we've got coming up, Liverpool been one of the ones that we were very worried about. I think their two best players are probably Salah, who last time I heard wasn't going to be available, and Van Dijk, who last time I saw him play, he had an absolute shocker. Uh, and he, he was perhaps the difference between the sides up at Anfield where I thought we played well and we it was no way a 3-0 uh, defeat the way that game went so there's probably a goal in it I think they were the better side but not by much so I think we uh, will be confident after the Wolves result and that was a game we had to get something from in the same way as we had to get something from Forest uh, a few weeks back uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't think they've, you know, they've got anything really t that we should be too afraid of uh, uh, at the weekend. Uh, they're they're a fantastic side. They've really got back to some of their best form this season. But I think that the fact they're without Salah is likely to be quite significant. And we, we've we've looked strong against Liverpool. 
both times in uh, the Premier League when we played them at home. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it, and it will be a, a really entertaining game. I've got no doubt about that. They're a very, very exciting side to watch. And I think we'll we'll give them a really good game. Yeah, I think we'll yeah. get some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think we get something out of it. I mean, you just say that you haven't got anything to worry about at Liverpool. I just want to just get a low down on Liverpool. Go on whoscore.com. They're very strong at attacking down the wings. Also, the aerial duels, creating long shot opportunities, creating chances through individual skill, coming back from losing positions, creating scoring chances, counter attacks, attacking set pieces, and finishing scoring. Uh, where they're weak is avoiding offside, avoiding individual errors, and stopping opponents from creating chances. The Ellard, uh, are you in the Cogs world where you say that we've got nothing to worry about with Liverpool? <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, I'm viewing this game differently now. One, because we beat Wolves, and two, because I thought we had a run of horrible games, which was, what is it, Liverpool, next four games involved Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham, Chelsea, Chelsea and Arsenal. Yep. Yeah. I watched West Ham and Arsenal play at the week. Sorry, West Ham and Chelsea. West Ham and Chelsea play at the weekend, and I've I've got off worried about those two games. Um, <laughs> I, I've you know honestly, they both of them look really poor at the moment. So suddenly, I feel like a whole load of pressure has been lifted, um, and that's the way we need to go into this Liverpool game: is to go into it with no pressure. Um, I think it's going to be a cracking game. Actually, um, I, I did see Mo Salah was was. He was, I think he was training on the grass today, wasn't he? Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> I, I'm, maybe I misread that, but I, I, I think he was. So I'm not sure what that means for the weekend. Um, I can't see him starting, though. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool, I watched them against Arsenal and they looked a bit, every now and then they're a bit befuddled at the back. I, I think I've always thought you can get Liverpool because they play that sort of, it is quite a high line they play. And, um, and if you've got pace, you can get in behind them. Um, I think it's interesting um, Wiesa's back and it will be very very interesting to see whether he comes in or Mope starts and I think that you can make an argument that Mope deserves to start and I'm sure I'd be gutted if he didn't start but I think you can make a really good argument that it should be Wiesa. Um, Just and this isn't about who's the better player it's about which player fits into what we'll try and do better. And I think yeah. what we'll try and do is hit Liverpool on the break. And I think if we plays, um, we've got more chance of getting behind them. So, so, um, so, so, I mean, just coming back to that just briefly about the team, because it's quite important, this. Again, we, 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 you know, we briefly talked through it uh, from the Wolves game. And, you know, we said, look, spot on, you know, he's not going to change anything again for this game. Is again, is he going to... Everything else is going to remain the same, you believe, except for maybe that front player, which may be Wiesa. But everything else remains the same. We've got your, your Regulons, you've got your, your... Well, actually, Jensen got injured and also well, Pinnock got injured, Pinnock. didn't they, as well? So so I think I think I was going to talk about the Pinnock thing. Um, if Pinnock was injured, um, you then have to work out who's going to play in the middle at the back. But because Collins has sort of, we've seen him come on, I think he's taken a step forward in the last few weeks. He could go to the middle and I could come in on the right-hand side. So you've got a nicely balanced, I think, back three with that. Um, Jensen, you probably... I mean, that would be interesting. Does Onyeka come in for Jensen? Maybe in a game against a team like Liverpool, he does. We don't really know how tired, you know, 
these guys are going to be. Onyeka from, um, the, from the African Cup of Nations. He's yeah, just come I back mean, and I mean, they lost he, in the final um, Nigeria as well. So emotionally, he may be drained as well. Yeah, you could. So you could make an argument. I mean, so you could you could make an argument for Onyeka. You could make an argument for Damsgaard, or you could make an argument for Yarmouk to come in. Um, I think if it is on Yeka, I think you're quite a stodgy midfield, aren't you? So, so maybe Damsgaard or Yarmouk um, if if Jensen's injured. I kind of hope he's not injured. Um, we all hate him play, but but so so, so there are so there's a few question marks around our team in terms of injury as well. I think I mean, we're definitely going to go three five two. I can't see you know we we always play three five two against Liverpool anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few selection interesting selection sort of things for Thomas. That's to mull right. over. Yes. Um, I, I, I would like to be in his shoes and I wouldn't like to be in his shoes, if you know what I mean. No, no. So, uh, listen, I mean, just let's go around the table here. Um, look, we've talked about it. We've heard Neil talking about it. You can hear him on London for a longer chat on Liverpool. But let's just go around the, the table here and let's just give a little score prediction. Luke Hulk. I think this is going to be dependent on who's available for both sides. But let's assume that Salah doesn't play and uh, <clears throat> Pinnock and Jensen do. I think uh, 3-2 Bs. Oh, blimey. Wow. You're drinking the same wine as I am. This is all good. <laughs> the Allard. Um I think it's going to be tool. I think, um, I think, I think it'll be end-to-end. And I think it's a game I'm really looking forward to now. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to go 2-1 to the mighty, mighty bees. So, so listen, uh, listen, uh, Pride of West London is the podcast. We just want to say Saturday, big game. Uh, we like, well, we don't particularly like morning games, but the good thing is uh, the Globe's going to be open at eight, nine o'clock in the morning as well. So we're going to be tucking right in there early to make sure that we get there for a good atmosphere. So whether or not it's a Globe or whether or not it's your other local pubs that you go to, just get in there early, get yourselves, get the vibe going so we can get inside that stadium and make some noise. Because, you know, if we can make some noise, we are definitely the 12th man and we'll actually kind of be able to help them players take them to another level. So get down there, get early, get very excited, as they say. But this is the Pride of West London podcast. Uh, I've been sitting here with my charms. I've got the Anod in the house. Good evening, Bill, or good day, Bill, or whatever. Happy Pancake Day. Happy Valentine's Day as well. That's right. We've got the cog in the place. Yeah, happy Pancake Day. That's right. Pancake flipping all over the place. My name's Billy Grant. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint. We're going to come to Liverpool. We're going to have a Liverpool Champs coming down. We've got the Anfield wrap in the house. As we say, as we say... Come on, come on, come on, bees. Let's beat them live birds. Let's come on. You know what I'm saying? Let's get us. You bees. You bees. Buy us a beer. Beesotted.com forward slash beer. Beer Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.